Welcome to the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Podcast. I'm Aaron Van Dorn, speaking to you from the Lancet's New York office. Today on the podcast, I speak with three authors from the University of Rochester in Rochester, New York, about a new case series looking at an algorithm they developed for the diagnosis and treatment of e-cigarette or vaping product use-associated lung injury, or e-valley. Can I get everybody to introduce themselves? Sure. So my name is Alex Kalininski. I'm one of the pulmonary and critical care fellows at the University of Rochester and one of the co-authors on this study. My name is Nicholas Naka. I'm a medical toxicologist and emergency physician at the University of Rochester and also one of the co-authors. My name is Christina Bach, and I'm a pulmonary critical care fellow at the University of Rochester Medical Center, and I'm also one of the co-authors of this paper. We've seen extensive reporting in the U.S. over the past few months on suspected e-cigarette or vaping product use associated lung injury, or e-valley. Can you give us an overview of the situation? Absolutely. The epidemic has really exploded over the past five months and developed into what we now call e-cigarette or vaping product associated lung injury. The first set of cases that were reported came out of the states of Illinois and Wisconsin in June. And in August, the CDC had really picked up on this and started tracking it carefully. And, and they reported 215 cases at that spanning 25 states. At that time, there were two deaths. And we started seeing cases shortly after the initial cases that were reported in Illinois and Wisconsin that were very similar. At that time, we reached out to our Department of Health and our poison centers and started a collaborative effort to track it ourselves. Where we are today, as of Monday, October 28th, the CDC has now reported that there were 34 deaths and there was over 1,600 cases spanning 49 states. We have yet to identify an underlying cause. The majority of patients, uh, notably, have been reporting that they're vaping a THC product. But, and I should say that all patients have an, a history of e-cigarette or vaping behavior within 90 days of presenting to healthcare facilities. But really, early on in this epidemic, when we started seeing cases at the University of Rochester, we sat down with a multidisciplinary team and internally decided that we were going to try to address some of the problems that we were facing with a new disease entity and that was really the genesis of the manuscript that we're here to discuss today. What symptoms are patients presenting with when they arrive at the hospital? Were these similar to the cases seen in other states in the U.S.? So the majority of the patients that we saw that presented at the University of Rochester came in with trouble breathing or difficulty breathing and shortness of breath. Other common symptoms that they presented with were GI symptoms, so nausea, vomiting, abdominal discomfort. This seems pretty consistent with the presentation of other patients that were noted in the other states that presented case studies. The GI symptoms, along with the respiratory symptoms, were important to note. Unique to our patients and our, the patients that we reported on was that eight out of the nine patients that we saw had THC-positive urine toxicology on screening, with THC as the active component of marijuana. Additionally, upon further questioning, the patients noted that the e-cigarette products that they were using were adulterated or different compared to the standard ones that you can buy on the market. We found that they noted that the cartridges contained less viscous material in them, and we think that this may be a cause or contamination that may be contributing to their respiratory symptoms. There's currently studies underway at the University of Rochester looking at this less viscous material in these adulterated cartridges to see if this may play a potential role in the presentation of the patients. 
How do you recommend diagnosing and treating patient Evali? So in the manuscript, we include an algorithm that was really a consensus of multiple parties, including the physicians and clinicians here at the University of Rochester, the New York State Department of Health, as well as the Upstate Poison Center and the New York City Poison Center, which are regional uh, poison control centers. And we developed this algorithm to try to address this very question. How do you go about diagnosing and treating in Valley? And it starts really with, it, it's a working flow diagram that, I, that is one page, easily accessible to, I think, clinicians of all distinctions and training backgrounds. And it starts with taking an adequate history on the patient's vaping behaviors, which is something new we haven't had to do in the past, but it's very important in 2019 when somebody presents with a complaint of shortness of breath and fever, uh, is asking them, uh, what are you vaping? How frequently are you vaping? Is it nicotine-based? Is it flavored? Is, does it contain THC? Those sorts of questions. And then it also includes some information about what clinical symptoms seem to be typical of this new disease entity, which includes cough, shortness of breath, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, fever, headache. There's some general kind of symptoms of general malaise, weakness, and fatigue. And it also includes some things that we found on physical exam, which is mainly vital sign derangement, tachycardia, hypoxia, and tachypnea. And then it, it moves forward into if all those things are starting to look like your patient may be suffering from e-cigarette or vaping-associated lung injury, you give some recommendations regarding imaging, starting with a chest x-ray, maybe progressing to a CT scan of the chest, and then even further into some laboratory investigations that we think are important for ruling out the other possibilities, which could be either viral or, or bacterial-based infections of the lung. Finally, it provides uh, some recommendations for follow-up and even treatment in cases where uh, the clinician is, is convinced that uh, the patient is suffering from e-cigarette or vaping-associated pulmonary injury. Additionally, I think that patients should be, you know, clinicians should be asking, in general, more questions about alternative risky behaviors, other drug use as well. In addition to the diagnostic algorithm you've created in conjunction with the New York State Department of Health and others, the CDC have also released some guidelines on eValley. How are they similar and how do they differ? So the CDC released a very nice, very extensive document that covers a lot of the things that our algorithm covers in great detail. And I think most healthcare providers should read it at some point to have a good understanding of the topic. When we first started seeing cases of eValley in the University of Rochester system, we wanted to develop a quick and easy way to identify patients and work them up and figure out what's happening without necessarily needing to be an expert on lung disease, which was one of the reasons we created this kind of algorithm. When looking at the CDC document and our algorithm side by side, we agree on most points, and that includes things like ordering the same blood tests, doing the same type of workup, and diagnostic testing. The things that we cover are inflammatory testing, infectious disease analyses, imaging, as Dr. Naka already mentioned. And we also provide guidance on diagnostic testing and treatment, and that includes steroids, respiratory support, as well as outpatient follow-up. So we are pretty much in agreement with the CDC, and we provide the same information, but just not in quite as much detail. The one big difference in our algorithm compared to what the CDC provides is the time of vaping exposure. 
the CDC classifies eValley as somebody who's vaped within the last 90 days, plus all the symptoms that we already discussed. In our algorithm, we narrow that window to 30 days before the presentation. Part of the reason why we did that is when we started seeing these cases, all of our patients were vaping within a week or two of actually coming into the hospital. And when looking back at the first case series published on eValley in the New England Journal of Medicine, 94% of patients in that case series were vaping within seven days of presentation. So based on that information, we wanted to avoid sort of misclassifying somebody that may have vaped three months ago and now is coming in with respiratory symptoms, maybe has a pneumonia, we didn't want to classify that person as an e-valley case without doing our due diligence and looking at other causes like infectious or autoimmune diseases. What do you hope to achieve with this algorithm, and what are the next steps for the state of New York in tackling the vaping issue? Well, with the algorithm, we hope it can be disseminated, and we hope it's useful to providers. It's a small contribution to what has been a, a very robust public health response from the United States, from the CDC, from the New York State Department of Health, it's really been wonderful to watch everybody working together to try to come up with a solution to the problem. So we hope that clinicians practicing in emergency rooms, inpatient units, pulmonary clinics, or general clinics will be able to utilize this, and it'll provide them with a one-page quick reference to what we're talking about when we refer to E-Valley and if they're considering it, how to work it up and maybe start treatment. Ultimately, what are the next steps? Well, we have to find a solution to this problem. We have additional research in, on cell lines in, in the wet bench laboratory setting, looking for a causal relationship between either a component of the vaping cartridges or perhaps the two-hit hypothesis has been generated as well with people who may have some chronic underlying inflammatory process from vaping a nicotine product, and then there's this new THC product that's become available to the general public that maybe results in this inflammatory cascade that we're seeing patients get admitted to the ICU for. So we have additional research to do to try to come up with a causal relationship between these vaping cartridges or, and the behavior and the disease process that we're seeing. As we understand more, we hope to update the algorithm, the diagnostic and treatment algorithm, and our readers and people paying attention can look for those updates through the New York State Department of Health updates that they send out regularly. Finally, what's your advice to people who are currently vaping? If they're using both vape and cigarettes, what is the best way for them to stop? Sure. So the first point that we want to make is if you have not started vaping, please don't start now. We do have an ongoing crisis in the United States with no identified cause. And so our recommendation is if you're not vaping, don't start vaping now. If you're already vaping, then we recommend working with your healthcare provider or a government or state agency to cut down and stop vaping completely. That would be our baseline recommendation. In terms of how best to do that, we recommend following the same data-proven strategies that we've used for cigarette smoking cessation in the past, and that is nicotine replacement therapy, oral medications, as well as psychosocial support and counseling. All of these methods are proven and effective in both cigarette smoking as well as vaping, as they're both based on nicotine and nicotine addiction. So they should work for both. So once again, our strong recommendation here is if you're not vaping, you should not start 
especially while this investigation is ongoing. And if you are vaping already, you should talk to your healthcare provider or a government smoking cessation agency to help cut down and, and ultimately quit vaping. Well, Drs. Kalininski, Bach, and Naka, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. Thank you.